creating content that shows who you are and attracts the people you want to work with. My name is Trey Micheletti and I'm building my company, Micheletti Media, into the best real estate content marketing company in the world. Welcome to my podcast where I'll be teaching you everything I learned on how to build a better business and market yourself to get the right customers. Welcome to the Michelotti Media Podcast. Today we have Jacob Davenport. We're going to talk about what it takes to get started in entrepreneurship and how to absolutely dominate the game. Thank you very much for coming on, Jacob Davenport. I'm excited for this. Hey, thank you for having me, Trey. It's always a great one when we, when we connect. Um, I hope to be on in the near future, but I would say, man, keep putting out this killer content. Keep going deep because you're bringing a lot of great value and I appreciate it. How you feeling, Trey? Always good, man. Can't have a bad day. I like that. Can't have a bad day. I like, that. I like every, that. Every time I, every time someone calls me, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the story. I know you didn't ask, but I'm gonna give it to you anyways. Every time someone calls me and they ask me, "How are you?" and I say, "Can't have a bad day. Never had a bad day in my life." Every time, I can hear the laugh on the other side, and I can hear immediately the tone of the conversation change than if I would have said, "Oh, it's all right." Like when you ask somebody how their day is, and they say, "Oh, it's okay." There, it just, there's nothing impactful about that. It just feels almost energy deflating. Yeah. So when I say, can't have a bad day, you set the tone for the conversation. Yes. It's positivity moving forward. It's growth moving forward. Agreed. So that's one of the, even if I'm having a day that's challenging, I'll always say it because you can always find something good and it's always the in your best interest to set a positive tone than a negative tone. So I that's agree. the reason I say it. I agree. And when, whenever I hear you say it, it's kind of like uh, if you're a spiritual person, for me, like myself, when you say I can't have a bad day, it reminds me of just how grateful I need to be. Yeah. Because we're here, we're here for another one, right? A hundred percent. And we only get so many good days or so many days, period. So you might as well make the best out of each one. You know, that's it's, it's about perspective because when you have perspective and you start to think of all the people that are A, not with us or were taken too soon at the age that I am or at the age that you are, or B, are in a situation like in Israel or, or Gaza or in Ukraine or in these third world countries where they're arguably, I mean, the stats say they're happier individuals, which is interesting, but they don't have the luxuries that we do really sets the tone because are these problems that we think that we have really problems? Because at the end of the day, you, both you and I can afford to go get a McDonald's cheeseburger and not go starving. True. We can always have food in our bellies. We can always have roofs over our heads. So you can't have a bad day. You can't, you can't. You have everything you that you could ever ask for. And more within exactly, within oh, arguably too much. Uh huh. I was going to ask you a question before we dive into that, where I can hold it to the end. Uh, one thing that I'm working on now on, on on a deeper level is I see education has moved, mm. right? Yeah. Um, from when I grew up, formal education was elementary school, preschool, college. It was for sure college was the destination. Yeah, always. I don't know the perspective of a ninth grader right now. Um, but I don't, let's have one on the pod. Yeah, we need to. <laughs> we need to. But is it when I look at education now, it, it is not as the way it used to be. Yeah. And so self education is a real thing. I'm getting education from less credentialed individuals. So when you look at like people that are expert in social media or expert in real estate investing, these people when I was growing up went from went to top colleges, top universities, top training, and now education can be is promoted so much heavier mm -hmm. but less formally mm -hmm. and so it's true that's a highlight i see but when you look at education like trying to learn a new skill um you're, you're always trying to get it ahead of real estate oh, forgive me marketing you're trying to get ahead of mastermind you're trying to get ahead of um how to think differently and change your framework 
how do you, how does education work differently from you, for you now than it did when you was in middle school and high school? I listened to this recently, and it was from a conversation that I had. School just moved too slowly. School is meant to have the slowest kid be able to keep up with those. So the, the, tone, the speed of the class is set by the kid that's the slowest. So the kids that accelerate very quickly, they can't move at the speed that they need to move with because you have to play, you have to learn mm -hmm. at the slowest kid's rate because you're in a group of how many people? Like 30, 20, 25, 30 kids, right? So one thing that's been massively beneficial to me is the speed in which I consume and that leads to me being able to filter out things very very fast and retain the things that I need to. Um, and I think that's probably been the biggest change from when I was in school versus where I'm at now because even when I was in, so context, started this business in 2022, in August of 2022, or it was actually June 2022, but I didn't start doing things until about August. Um, and I quit my job in August and I told my boss, I wanna go and I want to go to school. I wanna focus on school. And I went to school for a little bit while trying to do the business. And eventually I stopped going in total because I had a sales call and I needed to make, and I needed to make the sales call instead of going to class. And then I just never went to class again. Um, but when I did go to class for a month and a half, we were talking about fucking target market and marketing for like an entire week. The target, I learned about a tar, I learned about everything I need to know about target market in five minutes from a Gary Vee video. Yeah. In less than five minutes, in two minutes. We're talking about it for an entire week and kids are still getting the answers wrong when they raise their hands. There's just not enough speed. If you wanna learn, the best way to learn is by taking in information, learning if it's right or wrong, and then learning new information so that you can go out and you can execute. The problem with school is they're trying, they, they take too long and you never know if you're, you don't know if you're wrong fast enough. The best learning is done when you know when you're wrong right away. Yeah. And then you can implement something else and you can try it and then it works and then you learn what works and then you move on to the next thing and then you learn. Feedback loops. Elon Musk talks about it all the time. What's a feedback loop? Feedback loop is when you do something, you look at the result and then you know, what, and then you know whether, you did, whether you fucked up or not. Yes. That's what it is. And, and that's a very fast way to learn whether you're doing right or doing it wrong. 100%. Yeah. The, fa the, the quicker the feedback loop or the faster the feedback mm -hmm. loop or the shorter the feedback loop, the faster you can know the result of your action. And the faster you know the result of your action, whether it's right or wrong, the more the, or the more confidence you can move with if you did it right and just do it over and over and over again, or the faster you can pivot and try to do something else that's gonna get you the result that you really were looking for. Agreed. I, I like that. I like that. And, and it reminds me of a quote that, that goes something to the effect of success loves speed. Mm -hmm. And there, there's nothing better than having velocity at what you're trying to achieve and making decisions faster and failing faster and failing forward because when you do that it allows you to um, achieve a greater level of success mm -hmm. and get more accomplished i remember uh hormozy i believe it was hormozy it was a quote from him and he said something something to the extent of the more decisions if, if i make five decisions in a week and it takes this person a month to make five decisions i'm moving four times as fast and extrapolated over a year over the year i've made thousands of decisions this person's made hundreds like it's it just move or even to break that math down a little bit easier right if you make one decision a week and this person makes one decision a month you've made 52 decisions a year this person's made 12. yes how much faster do you think you're gonna a lot move? faster 
you can fail faster. You can fail, exactly. Are you gonna do this marketing strategy or this marketing strategy? Are you gonna pivot here or there? Are you gonna fire this person or are you going to hire this person? Like make those decisions quickly, learn if you're right or wrong and then move forward. Obviously you wanna take in the information, but I'm, of the, I'm a firm believer that I wanna surround myself with people that already have that information so that I can then take take it and move forward. So I'll, if I'm looking to make a decision, okay, these are the three people I know. These are the two to three people I know that have the most context about how to make this decision. Let me ask them their, their feedback. Let me run it through my own analysis on what my belief system is, and then I'll make that decision right away. Rather than some people will go on the internet and try to learn and read about how to do something specifically, and then it'll take them a week because all of a sudden they don't know what information is right or wrong. Versus me, I know that these people are people I can trust and have the right answer. So I ask them, I get immediate good information, I run it through my system and I can make the decision rather than researching for a week. That is a higher level of understanding. Absent of people, absent of having access to people that have the answers to the questions you have, what are some ways that you are continuously learning? Are you, are you learning from YouTube? Are you, are you learning from podcasts? I'm learning, learning constantly. You, There's never a time I'm not learning. Even this conversation I'm learning from, yeah. my job is to learn. True. And I put but, my, in my, no, like my legit, that's what I get paid for. Uh -huh. That's my legitimate job is just to learn. And then taking the things that I learned and telling my team what I learned or telling my clients what I learned or implementing things that I've learned. So the way that I manufactured it is really in two ways. We'll call it two ways. A, I got into BNI. I got into BNI. And when I went into BNI, a lot of people think I started a business. I started a business. Let me get into BNI. Let me get referrals from it. I wanted to BNI. I didn't expect any referrals. I only work with real estate investors. How many people do you know actually know a full-time investor? Not many. Very little, unless you're in the space. It's very. It's like real very estate nation. investors know real estate investors, but your average Joe does not know a full-time real estate investor, or they don't know what that guy does that makes a shitload of money, right? So I never went into it thinking, I'm gonna get so many referrals from this. What I did is I selected the people that I felt I could learn the most from, and then I started a book club and invited those people to my space to talk about business, to talk about the things that I wanna know from them. And then I have one-to-ones every single week. I've dominated my BNI group in one-to-ones the past three months, and I've doubled the person that's in what, second. What are one-to-ones? It's when you have a one a one-on-one -on -one discussion with somebody. Mm -hmm. And BNI is all about referrals, so they have a couple metrics that they want you to track. So how many referrals you do, how many um, continuing education unit things that you do, so like listening to their podcasts, how many one-to-ones that you do, um, and then how many, like your thank you to close business. So they want you meeting with more people in your group because then it leads to more referrals, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So last month I had 30, the second place person had 15. Are oh, you blew Thir out the wall. 30, that I, that's, if you break that down, that's, 30 connections, every, that's one connection every single day. So the reason I was able, the, how I was able to do that was by setting up this book club because now I'm meeting with eight people all at one time and learning and listening to them. Listening to them, giving them my information. So if you wanna manufacture that group, get into a networking group and then select the top people from that group, bring them value like through a book club, reading $100 million leads, it's something I knew, something I delivered and I bought some of them the books so they could be part of the book club. Yeah. And it's just that simple. Now I'm learning from people that are that are six or seven figure business owners. Some of them are on my level. Some of them are like, can't even okay. touch them. Uh -huh. And I'm learning from them every single week for two hours. That's extracting a lot of value. It's absurd. And a lot of information. Do you think, what is your thoughts on always surrounding yourself with people that are doing much more than you on much higher levels? What do you think about that practice? 
you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if I spend my time around people that are making seven figures, if I surround, and let's get away from money for a second because money is a shiny object. Yeah. And I know people that make a lot of money that are dumb as shit. So let's come back down and say, I, I may not care so much about the money, but I want to surround myself with people that have an amazing family, an amazing family life. I know because I've, I've seen it. I want to surround myself with people that have the same values that I have. Um, now, if I'm surrounding myself with those individuals constantly, I'm going to be thinking at a higher level. My brain is going to move faster. And that's something that I've noticed because I get a lot of compliments on you're wise beyond your years. And I don't like receiving the compliment because I am who I am. My age shouldn't determine how smart or unsmart I am. See, I just use the word unsmart. I'm obviously not that smart. Um, but the reason why is because I'm not going to college surrounding myself with other 21 year olds that have no ambition. I'm surrounding myself with people that talk about big shit that talk about business, that talk about how they want to grow. And I refuse to surround myself around pessimistic, negative yeah. people mm -hmm. or around people that talk about shit that doesn't matter. If all, if all this person is talking about is football to me, I don't want to surround myself with you. Like I love football. I used to love football a lot more when I was surrounding myself with those people. Now I love business a lot more because I'm surrounding myself with those people. So it's unbelievably important. You're, what you consume and who you talk to is who you become. Yeah, I totally agree. That's good. That's good advice. Yeah. And the other thing, the last way that I've kind of gotten this, and then I want to ask you a question, my business, you're a client of mine. I, you would not be a client of mine if I didn't believe in you, if I didn't believe in your growth. So the people I spend the most time with, people that are high level in my BNI network, and then my clients that I hand select that I talk to every, almost every single day. Yeah. So tell me, who am I going to become? greater than you were yesterday exactly and and, and what you're also doing because we talked about velocity and speed in in education and knowledge and experience when you surround yourself with people that have done things that you've done you don't then have to go learn or experience those things they're going to give you the uh the summarized version of the things that they learn so when you surround yourself with I, I work with a lot of real estate investors and uh one of the people that i surround myself with he does mobile homes I didn't have to go. You can get, drop his name, Zach Downs. Zach Downs. He's I a beast. Right. I didn't have to go. Uh, I didn't have to go read up on on mobile homes. Yeah. Right? I, I got the summarized version. So I, he, he summarized it, make it real simple for me. This is your, the risk. This is why you should do it. This is why you sh you can't do it. This is what it looks like doing it out of state. And to get that accelerated knowledge without having to go through the steps, take the losses, failing forward, it's just putting me so much um, so much more ahead. Yeah, and also putting me in the right context. Like, look, if, is this if this is what you're looking for? Here's the type of returns most people are getting on mobile home parks, or this is the type of insurance you're going to need. Yeah, and so that speeds it up. What might might have took somebody three to five years to learn, and want to lose some money. I've lost no money. I've learned a whole lot, and now I'm off to a pretty good start. You know, first of all, I want to bring this up real quick and give you props because your podcasting skills have gotten ten times better over the past year. I remember the first time it was it, it, it was tough, but you you've gotten much Thank better. You. So just Thank want to you. say that because the way that you just delivered that information and then took that pause to allow me to speak that's a skill that not a lot of people have, and that I know you've developed. You know we've worked so really on good job. I I I have to say right back to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I mean, it's been fun though. It's a journey. It's been, it, it's it's been a fun, journey, but bringing and that's what we talk about a lot. Bringing bringing value. Yeah, um, bringing value is important. And I think one of the other tricky things so now we're talking about podcasts and learning, right? You can learn so much from individuals you bring in your podcast. Yeah. And so for those of you that are considering getting uh, beginning a podcast, 
um, some of the things that I learned is that make sure you bring people that really understand the, the topic in which you're going to discuss. And you want to bring people that are, are probably a lot further than you because it's an opportunity not only for you to interview them and share them with your guests, but ask very deep questions and follow up questions that can empower you and advance you. Bring it back to the five people you'll spend the most time with. If you're going on a podcast a week with somebody that's making more money than you, that has a better family life than you, that has, uh, that has something that you want, what are you going to become, man? Yeah. You're learning directly. You're, lear you're listening to the person that has what you want and yeah. that you can learn from. But I want to attack what you just said about the whole learning fa or failing faster uh, or learning faster by talking to people that have failed. My mom has a quote that I that's that brought up more than I probably like. But she says, um, I don't want you to make the same, the same stupid mistakes than me. I want you to make better mistakes. Mm -hmm. She was 17 when she had me. She was very young single mom at 17 and raised me it's tough and shout out to her yeah ser seriously i can't imagine i can't imagine having a kid right now and being a single dad like that'd be crazy she did it at 17 years old so she couldn't even get a lot of jobs because she wasn't 18 yet uh -huh. think about how many jobs you can't get because you're not 18 she had to fake literally fake a birth certificate to get some jobs which is absolutely nuts she had to experience a lot of a lot of shit. she had to grow up very fast which means that she made some mistakes so she tells me that and teaches me these things so I don't have to make stupid mistakes that she already learned so that instead I can go and make mistakes that will move us further. A mistake of firing this person versus that person is different than a mistake of paying this bill versus yes. that bill. Yes. Like I, I know how to do that now uh -huh. with some of my own failures and now I'm on this level of who do I fire, who do I hire, which yeah. is a higher level problem that moves the needle further. Yes. So and, and and that really, yeah, that's deep. Well, let me ask you this: um, How do you think, if if you can think or you do know, your mom having you at at a young age? How do you think that that influenced you? Any different? You think? Do you think that somebody's mom that maybe was a little older, twenty five, when they had their kid? I don't know. I don't. I don't like generalizing it too much because mm -hmm. I don't. I, I. It comes back to when people say you're wise for your age. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's a person thing. I don't think if my mom had me at that age versus how old she is now that things would have turned out that much different. But maybe that's my ignorance. But I see people that have older parents that are fucked up, and I see people that have older parents that are major successes grant cardone had their kids had his kids when they were very when he was old he was like yeah. in his 50s so much different right yeah. so i don't think it's about the age i think it's more about the person but the, i think the biggest difference is the fact that we probably grew up we, we grew up together essentially yeah. like 17 some people have eight that age gap with their brother and sister yeah it's a large age gap for brother and sister but uh -huh. still right uh -huh. we were basically growing up together and i think that's drawn us closer in a lot of ways um, and drawn us apart in some ways as well, because when you're that close in age, sometimes when I was, especially when I was younger, there was a little, there's a lack of respect issue there because when you have an older parent, you know, that they, they carry themselves differently. So I'd say that was the biggest problem. But as far as closer together, yeah. we just understand, like, I feel like I know her so much better yeah. because I saw her journey and yeah. I could comprehend her journey. Yeah. And then she knows me so much better because she has lived through the things that I'm currently going through and mm -hmm. she can remember going through them. Yeah. It wasn't years and years ago. She remembers and it's a similar day and age uh -huh. to when she experienced them as well. Yeah, yeah. That's powerful, man. That's powerful.
that is it, it is what it is but uh hopefully it brought some value to somebody mm -hmm. now i want to ask you a little bit let's bring this to real estate why real estate why is real estate the investment path that you've chosen when i would argue and i've heard this from other people and i just blatantly disagree some people think real estate is easier to get into than stocks i don't agree i can download Robinhood and i can upload a thousand bucks and invest in microsoft right now i cannot get a thousand dollars and go pick a real estate investment deal it just it's not as easy and i know microsoft's going to give me a good return i know after a couple years i'm going to get more money back i don't know that with real estate yeah so why did you choose to go so aggressively after real estate rather than something that's a little bit more conservative like the stock market or even investing in a different type of business? I, I'm kind of under the same school of thought of, as you when you say I don't like to overgeneralize it. I think that a lot of times uh, for me, some, the stars just aligned. Um, at When I first got introduced to real estate, where I was at in my life was um, it was like a fork on the road of picking various options. I was in college myself and pursuing business. College man. College man, yeah. And when real estate presented itself to me, I, I didn't run to it because real estate was never my dream or goal. I, I wasn't even thinking about real estate. What were you thinking about in college? Um, I was thinking about graduating. I was thinking about graduating and probably um, definitely getting involved in the corporate structure. Okay. Um, I knew what I wanted to do academically, but also I knew some of my talents, right? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a leader. Uh, I uh, definitely am good with a lot of people, social skills, uh, visionary, hard worker. So, I mean, it, it just sounded so fitting. But again, when I was going to when I was graduated from high school, college was pushed down everyone's throat. It, it, there weren't some of these options that are so fruitful in today's era. So I'm not comparing the two, it just was different. And so when I got introduced to real estate, I wasn't even sure if that was the route I was gonna go. I just considered trying it. Um, because I, earlier on in my my life, when I was like 19 and 20, I've had opportunities that I passed on. And, and one in particular, I remember I had an uncle that was good friends with uh, uh, somebody that owned a vineyard in Napa, he, this huge vineyard. And uh, at the time, I must have been like 18. And my uncle was like, look, I want you to come up here and work with one of my buddies. And I went for a day to hang out on the vineyard and, and, and do a few things. And I think it was, would have been a great opportunity, especially because my uncle was endorsing me to this guy. They happened to be friends. I went for a day uh, and I never went back. I never went back. I, I probably wasn't ready for it, didn't see the vision, and it probably wasn't for me, all right? Um, this you followed your gut. Um, I, I, I fell to my standards. And my standards then were to do what I wanted to do, right? And so I'm not saying I missed out, because look, look, look where we're at. But in looking back, I, I did run into that this gentleman that, that owned this vineyard, and I looked at the opportunity, and it would have been a decent opportunity for me or anybody else. Very lucrative, to say the least, right? And you never know where that could have taken you. But yeah. I, I remember that time, I always told myself that if I had a good opportunity, I would never pass it up. So when real estate became an option for me um, to like get my license and, and study under um, some, some people that were very good in real estate, I didn't miss on the opportunity. I said, I'll go try it out. I remember it was like it was in October, uh, maybe 2016. My whole idea was I was going to try it out for a couple months. And if I didn't like it, I'd just go back to school in January. Right. And everybody told me not to do it. Everybody. I can tell you how that turned out. 
How did, I mean, hey, look at us. Look at us. And it's, it's cool because I, uh, early on, I, I caught on quick for me. And I realized that a lot of times you have certain skills, right? And, and certain skills can be developed and further enhanced. Yeah. And then certain skills you can acquire, right? And so what real estate did for me is it, um, it highlighted some of my skills. I, I was talking to a young lady yesterday that's in, in real estate right now. And she said, well, she's getting into real estate. She said, you know, I, I'm going to get in real estate sales because I'm a talker. I know how to talk. So it's going to be easy for me. And I, I, I remember thinking that when I first got into real estate, that it's all about talking because that's one of my skills since I'm, I'm a social guy, right? Mm -hmm. But then you learn very quickly that it's skills-based. Talking is that's cool, but, but talking doesn't get your client's goals achieved. Or if you're talking about real estate investing, you can talk to your blue in the face. That's not going to help you analyze a deal. Hey guys, so just a quick break. I do this podcast to bring as much value as possible to as many people as possible. So if you're getting value from this, I'd love it if you would leave a review. I'm growing this completely organically, aka no ad spend, so it would be a huge help. Appreciate you and enjoy the rest of the show. Dude, people, and that, talking about like talking, people think that sales is all about talking. No. It's about listening. Yes. And I know that's cheesy and you and people have probably heard that before, but sales is not about talking. Sales is about listening. The more that you understand a prospect, the better you can solve their problem. Yes. If you're just talking, 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 you're going to lose somebody. Nobody gives a fuck what you have to say. You can't just throw all this information at them and throw it up on them. They don't give a fuck. You need to listen to what their problem is so you can see if it's actually solvable for from your product. And if in real estate, if you're just talking all the time and you're not listening, you could show somebody 10 homes and none of them could fit their criteria because you didn't listen to what they really want. You didn't, you might've heard, oh, we want this size backyard, but you didn't hear the reason why. Maybe it's because, do they have kids? Do they have a dog? Is it because they have a garden? Like what, what's the real reason? So, and if you don't have your ears open, you can't find them the house that's really for them. But when you, but I've noticed some of the best agents when they have their ears open, they show people homes that the people didn't even know they wanted, but because they listened to the real desires and the real problems behind their current living situation, they showed them a home that was completely out of the box that the people loved mm -hmm. because they understood the deeper reasoning because they listened. Agreed. And in any form of sales is about people and mm -hmm. listening. And to make a suggestion that, or for one to think that, and I've been in sales in many different industries, right? For someone to think that because they talk well or their personality is really outgoing, that that's going to move the needle, what happens is there's different levels of sales in any industry. You, you could take real estate, for instance, right? And to get to have a license and do in a, in a year five to ten deals, you can do that with your family and friends and, and the barista at Starbucks because they like you. But now when you talk about real estate investing or you talk about higher end re, uh, real estate, we're, we're talking above a million dollars. Typically, that person is a little more sophisticated. So doing a whole lot of talking isn't going to check their box. I mean, imagine you're talking to a surgeon, right? Uh, he, he probably doesn't want to do much talking anyways. He wants to buy the house for his family because he has to get back to work. Or if you're working with a real estate investor, um, they have to analyze hundreds of deals before they find a good deal. So a whole lot of conversation is not really what I would want. Show me the numbers. Show me the after repair value. Show me, uh, show me the advantage, the advantages of buying this property if I'm going to do a long-term hold. So talking is, is a myth that I hear a lot of people think, and then I see a lot of agents do it, and 
and um, that's that, that's their prerogative. But the high level individuals do a lot of listening, and then we go back to education. Have they increase their level of education? That way, when you see your client has a need or you're going through something that they don't understand, that knowledge and that listening allows you to apply that. To mm -hmm. apply that, you're supposed to be a PhD in in, in whatever industry you're in. Mm -hmm. Uh, without the credentials but, but know that field very very well and you you're going to people will refer you and then it gets into referrals because that's how a lot of business is done people will refer you based off the results not because hey you know you should work with trey as a real estate agent why he talks good that's not going to get it you know <laughs> hey you should work with trey why you know he helped my family move from here to here and we almost lost the house but with his negotiations we was able to sell our house and get our other house and get it all done in 30 days yeah now that is somebody that somebody would give a phenomenal testimony for and somebody would it's a more powerful referral de definitely it's the difference between a cold call lead and someone that reached out to you on social media saying that hey i want to buy from you agreed and those are two different like the sales process is going to be different if i refer you to somebody that i don't really know I don't know what to say. I might give you the generic, oh, this guy's great at what he does versus somebody that I know really well. I'm gonna say, dude, this guy helps people get 5 million plus views on social media every single month. He's one of my best buddies. I try, I would try, I would literally trust him with my life. Yes. Which one are you gonna trust more? Which one would you pay more money? The, Which one would you yeah. give more leniency? Mm -hmm. I experienced that recently actually with, a, with someone that I was working with where initially I was like, couple things were, uh, there was a couple things that I didn't particularly like, but this person just had such great reviews from the people that referred me to them. And I stuck with it. I was like, there's gotta be a reason they think this. So I stuck with it through the initial bumps and we ended up getting a spectacular result. Man. But I wouldn't have stuck in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have stuck with them if I didn't have those referrals. I would have gone and I would have found somebody else. Yeah. But because I got those spectacular, spectacular reviews from people that I trust, that's what had me stick with them, and I got the results that I wanted. How important, when you're looking at um, bringing on a new employee or bringing on a new client, how important are reviews? Are reviews? Or, or, or uh, interesting. understanding an endorsement, a review, or knowing somebody that knows them? I wish I could give you a, a great response to this, but I really can't because from an employee standpoint, I don't I don't look at the references because they're going to put their best references. Uh, you're not going to put somebody down that doesn't like you. You're not going to put somebody down that's going to give an honest response. So I'm not like there. There's not a huge point to doing it. I thought about this actually, and I was like, what if I called these people and I offered them a thousand dollars to give me the truth? Who would give me the truth and no one? That'd be interesting. I, I was like, get, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a thousand dollars if you throw your buddy under the bus and tell me the dirt. I wonder how many I would get there. That's the only way I would ever mm -hmm. call a reference and actually expect to get an honest, an honest answer. Yeah. Um, so I don't look at it a ton. It depends on the employee, depends on the client. If I'm hiring somebody out of out of out of country and it's like through Upwork or something, then I'll look at the reviews. Not so much, not so much the the actual reviews but more about the quantity yeah because if they have a lot of five-star reviews then i trust it more than if they have a few really good five-star reviews so i look at quantity more there um i'd say the more important thing is the initial feeling that you get when you talk to that person because i'll tell you the clients that have that i've enjoyed my interaction the most the most with and that have stuck with me the longest are the people that i connected with 
immediately. I had that first conversation. And I knew in the first 30 seconds, this, this is my, this is my people and same thing with employees. So I, I take when I'm hiring and I'm going through a process right now, hiring two people. Hey, if you're a short form editor or videographer, hit me up. Um, it's but a pitch. that's a pitch. Uh, I'll take five to 10 minute calls pre-interview process. I'll pick up the phone. I'll say, Hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and your backstory. First of all, I say, Hey, this is Trey. How are you? If they respond with no energy and it's just not, it's just not a good feeling, not a good vibe. I immediately know. I'm like, how can I rush off this call? Cause this isn't going to be my guy. If they answer with energy, first interview booked. And then I ask them, tell me a little bit about yourself. If they talk, 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 instead of getting to the point and then wanting to listen about the job, that's also a, a no go. So I wouldn't say it's so much about the referrals. I'd say it's more about that initial, that yeah. initial interaction. Yeah. Hopefully that answers your no, question. That, that answer that, and why I ask it is because when we talked about um, the the evolution of education now mm-hmm. and not having to have credentials to make six figures or multiple six figures or millions of dollars, you see the shift in desire of many individuals trying to earn money through unconventional ways, right? <laughs> or more na- now, more natural ways. Yeah. Uh, but it used to be that you uh, would graduate from from harvard law and you would show somebody your diploma right um and then you get the job you get the job right but that that is not how talent is recruited or acknowledged no longer mm-hmm. then you you can even look from a, an anomaly standpoint of, of like athletes you you used to now you, you have high school students getting million dollar checks multiple millions of checks so the money changes thing if you follow the money you can really define an industry yeah and so that's why i asked that question about um, reviews or testimonials or endorsements because it, you you no longer get that you, you don't get that i graduated from this school my my parents are this talent is found differently and the need for talent is differently so i wonder how people will adjust in making that measurement. How will I see if this person will work for my organizations? But I like the way you're doing it. You're saying that, hey, I have a review process with, with systems in place and there's just certain boxes they need to check. It's just a basic system too. Like I think too yeah. many people want to systematize it with a checklist. Yeah, I don't fucking checklist it. Do I like you or do I not like you? Are you going to fit the culture? Are you ready to fucking go? Yeah. Are you going to come into the office with a fucking smile on your face? Sit the fuck down open your laptop and know exactly what you're going to do and go and execute. Crush it. That's what matters. And I think they, and I don't think college does a great job of helping people do that. Because what do you do during your first class in college? You drag your feet. You're probably wearing fucking pajamas in today's age because everybody wears pajamas. I went to Caitlin's school. 95% of the people were wearing joggers or pajamas. I was like, what the hell is happening here? Uh, anyway, so you walk in, you, you drag your feet into class, and then you listen. Yeah. You listen and you barely take notes. Yeah. It's not what I want to see. I want to see someone that comes in in the morning, whether it's early or a little later, depending on when you go to sleep. I don't really care when you come in, and that's another topic. Um, But you're ready to go. You're ready to crush it. You care. That's what's more important than a degree. That's what's more important than anything. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I also don't like interviewing anybody that goes to a UC. That's not discriminatory. Why is that? I've just I've interviewed I've interviewed a couple people that have gone that are currently in UCs at my age. And they what you're talking about from like an accolade standpoint, I asked them, Hey, tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about where you're at. They just throw seventy five different accolades my way and like I, I don't Are we done now? <laughs> are we are, not in a disrespectful way, but more in like a I don't care about the accolades, man. 
I care about you. Who are you at your core? So when I say, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're at, I don't want to hear, well, I've worked for this team, this team, this team. I was in this club, this club, this club. I was the president of this. I was the president of that. Cool. Those are your accolades. But that's how but what about the, you? That's how it was designed. Even when you're, when you're applying for college, they want to know where you did community service at, what organizations were you a part of, where you, what, uh, what advanced uh, courses did you take in high school? And it's all stacked. Uh, did yeah. you did you watch that the, the movie called uh, I think it's called Admissions? I didn't. Uh, it was with a gentleman. He's from Sacramento, actually. Um, he had a method called the. He said there's a front door, back door, and then there's the side door. And what he was doing is he was helping individuals get into uh, uh, you know top notch colleges, USC, Harvard, to, to name a few. Doctors Ray's daughter um, and the the folks from Full House, their daughter. And what he was doing was, in, in the movie at least, he would market you as a swimmer. You never swam. You take swimming pictures. I think someone got in really big trouble for that. A lot recently. of people got in. A lot I think of, someone like had their kids as like a, as like rowers or a something. A lot of people and they got, got in massive trouble. trouble. And, and what he uh, even a gentleman that owned a massive winery. I think he paid the guy some of uh, over a million dollars in for the kid got into the college. And so it was, it was a huge scandal. Good movie uh, to check out because you, you say, like, man, this is what's really going on. But you follow, them, you follow the money. You understand the industry. And so, so uh, like, the college system has always been so competitive in which they, 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 this is what you have to do to get into college, not be a good person, not be somebody that wants to learn. If your parents have the money and the, to pay, that's why you're in college. Mm -hmm. Not so much that you want to get this information and take this industry to the next level or, or be somebody in this field. Yeah, so, I'm sure there, there are some people. Well, there, but, there, there, of course is. But yeah, it's not, it's not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. It's not driven forward enough. And I, I think that there's there's a lot of different routes that conversation can go. But I think this leads me into my question for you. Um, College versus not college, that's not a debate I want to get into. I want to get into entrepreneurship versus not entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think right now we've, we've, everyone thinks entrepreneurship is so glamorous. Do people know what entrepreneurship is? And I don't think everybody understands truly what comes with that. You can be very skilled at something, but that doesn't mean that you should be an entrepreneur. So do you think that everybody should be going after entrepreneurship or do you think some people should truly understand maybe I, it's okay to be an employee. What are your, what are your thoughts around that? It, it is okay to be an employee. Um, entrepreneurship is hyper glamorized. Uh, glamorized. And I was thinking about how to say that word too. I avoided it because I didn't know how to say it. <laughs> hyper glamorized. Um, because it, it, it's kind of like the, the term independent. A lot of people say, I'm independent. I'm independent. And, and like with political party? Uh, no, or, no, no, no. As as young adults, okay, right. I'm independent, or you. I hear the term. I hear it frequently, yeah. and when you look at, we won't get into much of independent, but but people love to say that because it demonstrates strength, right? Yeah. And whatever independent means, typically what I see is somebody basically saying that I pay my own bills, and whether that's independent or you're taking care of your business, it's I, I, I'm not here to argue it. But when I look at entrepreneurship, I, I don't I I don't think it is for everybody. Um, because you really have to have an appetite for uh, entrepreneurship, and entrepreneurship is very, very tough. Define and, entrepreneurship. Because well, well, you say not every, you have to have an appetite for it. An appetite for what? Uh, entrepreneurship uh, for me means nothing's guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. You you will earn it, and you can even deserve it. If that yeah deserve you can work hard and you're still not going to get it. And you have to be willing to accept that. 
And so if you can take that in your in your stomach that that you'll work five years um, day in and day out on a dream of something that's not guaranteed, you might not get. And then some people don't get it. If you can do that, most people don't. Most get people it. don't get it. And if you're prepared for something like that, then I would say uh, chase entrepreneurship, chase your dreams. It's fun. I mean, you find for me, I find most of the value in in the the, the lulls, right? In the journey, because as an entrepreneur, you'll start achieving goals. You'll get there, and you say, "Ah, that's not enough. Let's do some more." Um, and then some people, I think others. I don't. I don't think there's a middle ground. I think others um, like the security. Uh, whether it be a nine to five or a salary, whether your family dynamic is dependent upon that, there's nothing wrong with that structure. Really depends on what's in it for you. But I definitely don't think that I know entrepreneurship's not for everybody. Because forget what people say, watch watch their actions. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think that people hear entrepreneurship and they think of the Alex Ramoses, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, these big fish, right? And that's not what most entrepreneurships look like, or they think of someone that they know that makes that makes a ton of money. And it's not always the truth of what happens. And I think people that want to be entrepreneurs need to understand it's not just the skill that you're executing on. There's a lot of back end things. Are you familiar with how to recognize talent? Are you familiar on how to fire people? Imagine, seriously imagine hiring somebody on board that you believe in and then having to make to make the decision that this person isn't cut out for the job and then having that conversation with them. It's a it's, tough it's, conversation. It's not a tough conversation. It is a tough conversation, absolutely. Um, and then what about from a financial standpoint? Are you familiar with not just how to manage your finances, but how to see all this money coming in and then all this money going out and dealing with those big numbers constantly and then seeing how much is like, this is, this is how much you make, this is how much goes out, and this is how much you have left for you. It's right at the end. It's right. It's the scraps a lot of the time, right? That's you can make a big profit, but how much of it is less for you? Not a lot. But you're seeing all this money come in, and you have to manage that money. You're deciding where it gets allocated. Are you familiar with how to make those decisions? How to manage it correctly? And then there's the team execution. Are you familiar with how to not just manage your day, but how to manage multiple other people's days? Because Gary Vee has a quote that says the best the best managers are mentors. Are you familiar with how to mentor somebody? Do you think that that's in your arsenal, you have to be such a well-rounded individual that it's almost absurd because yes, you can hire people to fill in for your weaknesses, but who's going to coach those people? You don't just hire them and they do the job all the time, 100%. It's not their business. You still have to mentor them. You still have to help them. You still have to help them out with the thought processes, especially when you don't have all the money in the world to hire. Like if you could hire all the people in the world to mentor each other and do this and that, cool. But you don't have that. You hire slowly and you bring on slowly and you mentor every individual. And I don't think every I don't think a lot of people are ready for that aspect of entrepreneurship, of business, if they want to scale it to that point. When when did you um, realize that entrepreneurship was a journey you were prepared to take? And then within that journey, you knew that you were in the right place. Are you in the right place? Yeah, I'd say so, but I know, but I also don't know, dude. I'm just, That's I'm just entrepreneurship. moving. But I'm just exactly. You never know in entrepreneurship. You never know really where you're going. We're going somewhere tomorrow morning. Something crazy could happen. Yeah, it happens. Every, just like everything that. is always at the tipping point of either major success, and that's harder, or everything falling to shit. Yes. Every every single day. It could either completely fall apart and you could lose all of your money, or you could have an, a huge deal fall your way and you could make 
more money than you've ever made. It's so drastic. There's not a lot of living in the middle, I feel like. And, but that's how you have, you have to understand that dynamic and not force the middle. I think the time that I've struggled the most is when I've tried to ride that middle wave of not having this happen, which actually limits yes. this happening as well. Because when you try to just, when you try to keep it just right here, right stable, where you can control everything, that's when you start to fail because you're not moving forward. It's hard. You can't move forward moving as slow. Uh, you can't move forward without making decisions. When you stop making decisions and you do what's comfortable, which is being an employee of your business, that's when you start to fail. So um, in regards to when I figured it out, I don't, I don't know if I, I think I've always kind of known from when I started it, but whether I figured out if I was going to be a success or not, that's still what's up in the air. I don't know if I'm going to be a major success. I believe I will. I don't know it though. Um, but it's just, it's going at each day with major intention of I want, I'm going to go at it and win the day. I'm, I can't have a bad day. I'm going to go out and I'm going to win the day. And that's how I'm forcing me knowing that it's for me, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. But I have a follow-up question because that makes perfect sense. So I'm going to ask you a candid question. Uh, you've been at this since uh, August of 2017. Has there been a candid question or are there days that you question whether you're doing the right things? Never when I question if I'm doing... Yes, actually, that's... Yes, 100%. You do. I would do that if I was an employee too, though. But not small yeah. things. Am I leading my company the right way? Do you question oh. that? Yes. Yes. That's a every, good thing, though. Actually. Every day, I'm if you're not, you but you question it. Mm -hmm. So you, because you have to question yourself, because that's the only way you can know if you're, what you're doing is right or wrong. Because when you ask yourself questions, you have to come up with answers. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not questioning myself, then I'm not winning. That I can't be confident. Because imagine just moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, never questioning yourself, and then somebody asks you a question, you don't know how to answer because you've never asked yourself the question, and then you're like, oh shit. Is what I'm doing right the right path to go? Right. That seems great. Let me go that direction. And I'll give you a clear, very clear example of this, okay? Every single day, I'm thinking about how can I make my business more profitable? Mm -hmm. So you start to see certain things pop your way of, oh, you can add this into your business. Oh, you can add this into your business. Oh, you should blow up your business and do this thing that's relatively similar, similar that could be more profitable. If I don't question whether what we're doing is right or wrong, or is this opportunity good? Is this opportunity good? Should I go this way? Should I blow it all up and go this way? Then you never know. So I have to ask myself those questions on whether or not I'm doing is right or wrong. So I know is the direction I'm going the right direction to go. If I'm completely ignorant of those opportunities, then I'll never learn from them. Then I'll never learn trends of what works and what doesn't work. A perfect example is uh, school. Alex Ramosi just invested in it. I remember looking at this one guy that creates content that says what he does for people is he's a, um, he's a what is it called? What is it called? An online community operator or whatever. I, I forget what it is. A paid community uh, backend operator. So what he does is he goes to people that have majorly large audiences and then he'll go to them and say, hey, let me build a paid community for you. And then they'll take like a 50% cut of everybody that goes on. That's a big so, cut. Yeah, I know. Uh, but they run everything, right? So they, their person gets paid. They get paid. They don't have to do anything. They're getting it handled for them. Um, so, but if it's like, if you had to do all that work as a creator, instead of spending your time creating, you would, you would just not do it. You wouldn't create. So it's like, they're basically saying, I'll give you 50 grand and then I'll take 50 grand a month. Yeah. 
because I'm gonna do everything for you. Um, but I was like, oh shit, that makes a lot of sense and it seems easy. And if I didn't think about that, but then say, no, that's not the direction I wanna go because how do I scale that? Is that a big enough vision that I can bring people into because that's more important. So what I did instead of instead of saying, oh, that's a better business model, it's more profitable, I questioned myself on it and then I said, well, why does it seem attractive? It seems attractive because of X, Y, and Z. So instead of blowing up my business, why don't I just take X, Y, and Z and implement it and train it and teach other people how to do what they're doing here instead of blowing up my business and actively doing it myself. So that's how my questioning process goes. So I question whether what I'm doing is right or wrong every day and then I make decisions based on my answer. It, it seems like you have a lot of clarity about where you're going though. That's because the willingness to put in this type of work day in and day out and even consider these other thoughts, I mean, you have a very clear idea of where you want to go. Yeah. That's fair to say. Yeah. So where do you want to go? <laughs> very clear general direction. That's cool. <laughs> um, people are the most important thing on the planet. People are the most important thing on the planet. And what I know I want to do is be around great people. How do I be around great people? And how do I have myself feel fulfilled being around the people that I'm around? So I just move in that general direction of what's going to allow me to be around great people more consistently. And in order to be around great people, I have to build something massive to attract great people. Because you always hear as a CEO, you need to build a vision big enough to for other people's dreams to fit inside of. And if I want to surround myself around great people, great people have big visions. Yes. So my vision needs to be 10 times as large as any of theirs. Yes. So I don't know directly what that vision is all the time, but I know that I need to constantly push the boundaries and make it as large as possible so I can surround myself with the best people on the planet. And then as that thing gets bigger, you're gonna attract better clientele. You're gonna attract better people that wanna learn from you. So. It's not that I know exactly what the end result's gonna be, I just know the end result is massive, so I'm always analyzing what gives me more potential to get to that massive goal. Yeah. So that's the general direction I move in, the bigger one. And, and you're, as I'm listening, you're sold out on your philosophy. I think that's another strength of yours. The philosophy you have laid out for yourself was one, knowing that there is a greater purpose. Um, people are important, and there is a benefit of doing these things to achieve that goal one piece at a time meaning that i i want to be here and it's going to take me these steps and i'm willing to do the steps and watch i'm doing the steps right now and differently than i see very frequently i think that many people have an idea of what they want to do but don't have philosophy or vision about it and these steps never come into place it just looks at it looks at it, and then the next hot thing that comes next idea next concept okay maybe i'll go to college okay maybe i'm gonna get into real estate what are you going to do to get there and it has to be clear and you really have to buy in and it, it seems like you really bought in on the direction you're going again it comes down to questioning though i wouldn't be bought in if i didn't question myself i wouldn't be bought in if i didn't question every day why am i not going to college because of that why am i not going this direction with the paid community stuff because of that so it comes through questioning and i don't think enough people question themselves and are willing to get candid and also believe in themselves enough to know that they could be successful in whatever direction they go. But which one am I going to enjoy the success more from? 
and I would enjoy, and which one can I get to success uh, to a larger amount of success? And I believe I would enjoy my success more going this route than I would going the college route. I could force myself to be great at college. I could force myself to get that degree. I could force myself to get into a good corporate job. But this, but what success is for that? isn't the type of success that I want because that success would look like a big 401k that would look like a corporate job that I would bring a paycheck in and then I'd live in a high-rise apartment, which would be amazing. I would love that. But what what drives me more is understanding the success that this gets me is bringing, bringing these people in to my circle and giving them the opportunity that they would have never had otherwise. Because if you didn't meet me, you might have met somebody else, but would you have the opportunities that I feel like I provided, mm-hmm. and maybe not, and that brings me you joy. Some good, you got some, brought a lot of good, good value to me. That brings me joy. Yeah. I put myself in the position to be able to yeah. bring that value, yeah. and that success. I appreciate looks you so well. much. Looks, looks yeah. so much sweeter. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. We can keep going deeper. That's I okay. want to. Well, what about you? What, what, what's the overall goal look like for you? I want to tell you, but I want to ask you this last question. Last one. Okay, um, last one. Our uh, last one, I promise. Because uh, I'm sure people want to know this as well for themselves or, or for people that they're bringing on. What does that frustration or process look like when you find somebody with talent, right? So you bring somebody on with talent, right? Um, that's working for you or, or um, uh, you, and you can't put the drive into them. You can't put the pieces into them, but you just know that they're talented people. Is, is is have you ever had that experience? All the, all day, every day. What is that like? Every because everybody has talent. Mm-hmm. I legitimately everybody that I know I believed in. Not everybody is where I think they should be, but I believed in everybody. So of course it's frustrating, but at the same time, what I've grown to understand is everybody has a different vision of what they want their life to be. Yeah, and that it's not my job, and it's not. It's why do I have the right to tell them what they should be? Yeah, I don't. If you want this life and you don't want this life, cool. But there's, you know, what frustrates me more is when somebody says that they want something and they say it like they believe it, but then they're not willing to do what it takes to get there. Those steps I told you about. Yeah. Well, we so discussed, we agreed on. They're just not willing to. Mm-hmm. So I don't try to force a vision on people per se of what they should have their lives be like. But I've also learned to, if somebody says they want this vision and then I give them a path and I try to, and I try to tell them how to get there based on the knowledge that I've accumulated and based on what I've learned, that, can, that used to frustrate me, but now I just cut them off. Now I just don't. Now I'm just like, look, man, I'm gonna, instead of forcing this and I'm not old enough to wanna do that, I'm instead gonna go find people that I don't have to force to do this because their their ceiling is so much higher. Yeah. Because they're willing to work, and when you're willing to work, your ceiling goes from right here to up here. Yeah. Because you're gonna get here yeah. very very much faster. Yeah. So I, I I have experienced frustration with people that have talent and say they want to achieve this, but I I don't really get frustration with people that have talent but don't have a big vision because it's like I I don't have a right. Yeah. I don't have a right to say that you can yeah. do more anymore. Reminds me of Nick Saban. Uh, I think he just retired, but he, he said he said um, uh, essentially high achievers and low achievers can never be put in the same area. Yeah, why, why or same environment? Because high achievers will get mad at low achievers for not achieving high, and low achievers will get mad at high achievers for making them or wanting them to want to achieve higher things, and yeah. that's not what they want to do. And so I think it's very important to understand. Um, 
what you want to do. Yes. And um, if high, achieving high things, what you really want to do, go achieve them. And also put yourself in rooms with high achievers. And if being impressed or being around high achievers isn't something you want to do, because there's no wrong or right answer. Stand your vibration. Look, I need someone. I, I need someone to make me the sushi that I'm about to go eat. <laughs> not saying that's not high achieving, but I need someone to make it. You need people to do. Uh, you need people to raise the cattle. You need people to yeah. make the McDonald's cheeseburger. You need the people. I, I need people. I need employees for my business too. Yeah. Not everybody's. Not everybody needs to take on the responsibility mm-hmm. to do something massive. I think the world would, would arguably be in a better place if everybody did have slightly bigger dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's even arguable. But not everybody should be Elon Musk. Not everybody should be that. So it's it just is what it is. You need, you need both because they both serve a purpose. I think the low achievers push the high achievers to dream even higher sometimes. Because they're like, I will never want to become that. So I'm going to work as hard as possible to never become that. I think that's why sometimes you'll see people that grew up in poor families achieve such massive results with things um, because they've seen what they never want to become. Yeah. People that grew up in abusive homes that would never lay a hand on their kid because they refuse to be that. Yeah, right? I agree, man. That makes a lot of sense. So, If that's the motivation for work... Let's get some more high achievers. But I will say, I think the world would be in a better place if everyone was a high achiever, because I also think high achievers push high achievers. So I'm not telling anybody to settle to (laughs) To be a low achiever. I'm just saying, don't blame people for being what they are. Just feed off of it and use it to benefit yourself and the people that you want to push to be better. The people that actually want to be pushed to be better. Yeah, agreed. Just accept. Acceptance and move forward with what you're given and dominate with it. Let's go. You got a cool. question for me, man. Let's roll. Um, I got an answer. The last thing, and then we got to hop off because I think we both are hungry. So let's keep this to Starving. three minutes. What is your overall goal for 2024? What is this massive vision that you are headed towards? You asked me what mine is. I want to know what yours is. Where are you headed? In short, the next stop's the top is what I would charismatically say. Um, I have a big, big, big vision. Um, I have been investing for a long time, learning investing, and so um, my goal um, is to really take investing full time and commit myself to it, yeah. and, and see just how far I can take it. Not even monetarily. Um, how far do you think you can take it? Well, that's why I asked you about your steps and your vision, because I was curious to know how big you dream. Uh, but sometimes you know with all vulnerability sometimes we can be scared to dream and I I think that's probably where where I've been at is I've I've had more success than I thought I could ever had I've been able to be economically successful and and, uh, a fixture in real estate in my market right and not recognized by my peers and that's cool and I never thought I I would take it that far coming out of my little city of Sacramento my little neighborhood but um, and then overcoming whatever right but now um, I, I would say that I'm questioning if, if I'm fearful of dreaming big and how big. And so that's, where I'm, that's my process. So how about this? The next time you have me on, I will be, have clarity about just how far I'm going to take this. I'll know that answer really, really soon. I think I, just in regards to that, if anybody's sitting here and saying, if anybody thinks like, oh, he doesn't know what his vision, think you have a fucking vision is one of the hardest things <laughs> that you could possibly, like I genuinely, I can't always process how someone like Elon Musk can envision getting people to Mars and then actually 
execute yeah. on it. Like how do people think of some of the shit that they think of and turn into reality? And I saw a, a video that said the, mo- the, most, the most important skill on the planet are the people that can reduce the gap between idea and execution. So when you think, and, and there's a scale to that, because I have an idea to start an e-commerce store. Cool, you can go on and you can start an e-commerce store on fucking Spotify. I have an idea to make us a multi-planetary fucking species. There's a much different gap between idea and execution there. It's, it's almost insane. It's almost incomprehensible uh-huh. as to what that is, but they're doing it. Yeah. And that is what I aspire to be. I aspire yeah. to dream so fucking big that people look at me like I'm fucking insane. They're like, what are you talking about? And they dismiss me. I like being dismissed for a vision. If people dismiss me because my vision is too large, first of all, all that means is that I'm in the wrong circle because people that were going to help me achieve that would ask me how. They'd ask me, how can how can I be a part of that? Um, but also I'm doing the right thing if people are dismissing me because my vision's mm-hmm. too damn big for most people to comprehend, which means that they're, that other people haven't tried to go after it. And that's a good, that's a good group to be in. That's why I, I have no problem saying that there's a fear in, 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 in identifying how big this dream is, because if, if it was something that most people would do, you don't dream it. Cause most people, yes. when we look at uh, entrepreneurs and uh, non-entrepreneurs, when you, when you're an employee, for instance, right, you do the, there's a job description, you fulfill it. It doesn't require you to do more than what is outlined for you. Yeah. But when you're an entrepreneur and you probably achieve more than, than you ever wanted to achieve, you want to take this thing to the next level. I don't take it lightly when I say uh, scared to dream because what I'm what I'm thinking about is actually pretty massive. Right. So most people don't even think more than putting gas. In Some the people car. are scared to say what their dream is because yep. they don't want to get laughed at because yep. they don't want to laugh at themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not afraid of it. I I'm, I'm grabbing clarity. And, um, the cool thing about real entrepreneurs like yourself and like myself is, is once you have your dream, that's when you're locked in because then it's just all the process. And that's when, when you, when you lock in and you believe yourself, Mm-hmm. That's when people start to fucking buy in. Mm-hmm. That's why Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and and all some of those people are so powerful because they speak and I, this this gets me fucking excited. They speak about things that other people are like can't even comprehend, but they believe themselves. So pe- they start to get other people to believe in the impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a fucking skill! Talk to me about my personal dream. That's that's what I want. I want to talk about things that other people think are impossible, like they're possible, to make other people believe in the impossible. The world never thought that we'd have a computer in our hands. Dude, imagine being a caveman. Yeah, they. The world never thought we yeah. would have a computer in our hand. Now we just take it for granted, like a second age, or you yep. can pay eight hundred eight hundred dollars for a new phone. A hundred percent. But but ha- had it not been for somebody a visionary like that, somebody that wasn't too scared to dream big and bet it all, someone that wasn't too scared to remove the keypad off of a cell phone. <laughs> Come on, and a flip. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, hey, thank you very much, man. I think hopefully we brought a lot of value. Excited to see whatever comments we got. Um, So thank you very much for coming on board. I'm going to record a quick intro for the podcast. Thanks for having me as well.